You are listening to the Hot Tip Bets Podcast. Hello and welcome to episode 32 of the Hot Tip Bets Podcast. We are officially just under three weeks away from Selection Sunday, so that means college basketball is going in full gear. Um, getting near the end of the regular season, about ready to get some conference tournaments going here in the next week or so, um, as well as, you know, March Madness and whatever following that. But still got a lot of college basketball action to get through before we get to all of that. So let's take a little bit of look at how some of our picks did um, this last week. Now, this last week, this last weekend to be more specific, um, the picks did pretty dang good. It was probably one of the best uh, bas- college basketball betting weekends we've had um, in a while, Saturday wasn't the greatest, but capped off by an amazing Friday and Sunday. So, um, starting out on Friday, uh, end up winning all the games on Friday. Go three and zero Friday. Um, we started out in the MAC with Akron uh, minus one taking on Ball State. Akron ends up winning this game pretty easily, eighty-eight to seventy-nine. Ali Ali puts up a career high twenty points for Akron um, in this game. Had an amazing game from him. And Akron just shot the bell very well from beyond the arc in this one. 45% from through for them. Ball State only hitting 38.1% to get us the first win uh, for Friday. Second game for Friday. Uh, went out west for some Mountain West action between Wyoming and New Mexico. Um, now, Wyoming ends up winning this game 79 uh, to 67. Wyoming minus 6 in this one. Uh, it didn't look great for Wyoming um, through this entire game, but they did pull it out. Did get a pretty good cover. Um, with that minus six there for us in this one. Um, Hunter uh, McDonald puts up 14 points and 16 rebounds for Wyoming in this game. Gets himself a double-double. Um, um, and Wyoming just shot the ball pretty good. 48.2% from the field in this one. New Mexico, on the other hand, only 448 from the field. So uh, Wyoming gets the cover there. Um, in the closing out Friday, we had Toledo plus two against Buffalo. Toledo wins this game 80-70. to uh, Marlon Jackson puts up 20 points for Toledo in this one. I mean, really, Buffalo, the reason they struggled so much in this game, they just couldn't hit a three to save their life. Um, Buffalo only hits 14.3% of their shots from beyond the arc, um, while Toledo hitting 45.5 from beyond the arc. So uh, get a pretty easy cover with Toledo there to go 3-0 and for Friday's picks. Uh, then moving into Saturday, Saturday wasn't as good. Um, we actually ended up with a losing record on Saturday, but Georgia Tech, um, minus three and a half versus Miami for the first game. This one was a pretty easy win. Uh, Georgia Tech wins this game 87 to 60. Michael Devin puts up 29 points for Georgia Tech in this game. Um, had himself an absolutely monster game. Uh, Georgia Tech uh, did shoot the ball very well in this game also. On top of that, 57.1% from the field for them in this one. Uh, Miami, on the other hand, only hitting 39.2% from the field. So um, get uh, another easy cover there. But that's about it for, <laughs> at least for now, for um for easy covers. We go into the next game. We've got Notre Dame versus Syracuse. Notre Dame was plus two in this game. And Notre Dame led in this game uh, basically until five-minute mark in the game. And then they just let it all just go nowhere. Ended up losing this game 75-67. to 67. But, you know, going in, in the first half and even early in the second half, they had a, they had a pretty decent double-digit lead. I think 14, 15 points at... Uh, multiple times during this one, um, but Buddy Beheim puts up a um, pretty pretty good game. I mean, career high game for his glory for him uh, for the Syracuse comeback, putting up 29 points for him in this one. Uh, and Syracuse just out rebounded uh, Notre Dame, which I think was a big factor in this one. 36 rebounds compared to Notre Dame's 31. So uh, Syracuse gets the win. We get the loss with the Notre Dame pick. Um, but the second win of the day for um, 
Saturday's card comes in an underdog in Chattanooga plus six and a half versus UNC Greensboro. UNC Greensboro did win this game 60 to 55, but that six and a half gets us the cover. Uh, Malachi Smith puts up 16 points and eight rebounds to help Chattanooga get the cover in this one. Um, UNC Greensboro has really struggled shooting the ball 17.4% from beyond the arc. Chattanooga 35.5% from, um, from three. So, um, Good cover for there for Chattanooga. And this UNC Greensboro team, it seemed that I feel like I've been betting against um, all the time. And I don't know. I, I don't know what the current SoCon standings are. Um, but they're up right near the top of the SoCon. I'm pretty sure Bracket Matrix um, currently has them as the SoCon team to be making the tournament. You know, um, it doesn't look like this year. <laughs> um, definitely not this year. It's going to be the year that we finally get a two-bit SoCon league. Hopefully next year <laughs> we'll, we'll finally get to see that magic happen. But this UNC Greensboro team, it's just they're just not a great team. Really, the only team that I honestly like that I think could make um, much noise at all in the in the uh, March Madness is Furman. Um, this UNC Greensboro team, I, I there's no way I'm going to have them winning a game if they make it March Madness. Um, I mean, granted, it'd be an upset anyway, but um, just not a very good basketball team. I don't know how how they're getting these wins, but um, end up getting the cover there against them. Second or not second, fourth game I think it is <laughs> for Saturday's card. Uh, go out west, Pac-12 matchup between Colorado and Oregon State. Colorado minus six and a half in this one. Uh, Colorado does get the win, but not quite the cover. Wins this game 61-257. I've been on Colorado a lot this season. Their free throw shooting um, is, you know, top in the country. Has been for a majority of the season, but that wasn't quite enough to push them over the edge in this one. Um, McKinley Wright, uh, fourth, did put up a pretty good game for Colorado, though. Scoring 21 points. Um, but Oregon State just stayed close. You know, they were able to keep their rebounds up. 30 rebounds for Oregon State, Colorado 34, but um, don't quite get the cover in that one. Um, so taking us to two and two. And finally, the decision maker taking us to two and three on the on Saturday. Virginia minus one against Duke. Uh, now Duke narrowly sneaks out this win, winning 66 to 65. Matthew Hunt puts up 22 points for Duke in this game. Um, and, you know, Duke, Duke looked like a different team than they had for a lot of the season in this one. Um, being able to score and being able to do stuff. So Duke um, did a very good job not turning it over to only turned it over 10 times in this game. Virginia, Virginia turned it over 13 times. So um, get the get the loss there for Virginia minus one and up with two or three for Saturday. Um, but back at it again on Sunday for another great card. Start out with Albany taking on Stony Brook. Albany minus five and a half in this one. Um, and they win this game 67 to 59 covering that spread. Uh, CJ Kelly had a great game for Albany in this one, 18 points and nine rebounds for him. Um, and Albany just shot the ball very well from beyond the arc, 33.3% from, um, from three for them, while Stony Brook 15.8% from three. So um, get the cover there with Albany. And finally, closing out Sunday, closing out the week, um, we had Butler taking on Xavier. Xavier was minus eight and a half in this one. Uh, Xavier wins this game um, pretty easily, 63 to 51, staying over that cover. Um, Zach Fendelman puts up 17 points and 10 rebounds for Xavier in this one, getting himself a double-double. Um, and Butler just really struggles shooting this one at all. Only in 29.5% from the field. Xavier 43.6% from the field. So Xavier gets the cover um, there, taking us to 2-0 for Sunday's card. Um, and we did have one play for Monday on the podcast, Wofford versus Samford. Uh, unfortunately, that game ended up being canceled um, because of COVID issues. So no game there. But that means we do finish the card um, even without that game, but we finished the card on a very, very profitable weekend force in college basketball, seven and three, um, on the weekend officially with that, it takes us to plus 0.1, no 0.01 units. So like 
if a unit was a dollar, it'd be like one cent. So right over, we're barely positive, as, as low as we can be as far as the <laughs> the rounding goes. Um, positive units on the year um, over for the, the all the podcast plays. But that, I mean, that includes other stuff besides college basketball. Um, honestly, if we took out everything that wasn't college basketball, we'd be very profitable just in college basketball. Definitely got to go see... Um, and I'll definitely will see what those numbers look like um, here near the end of the season. But needless to say, um, we are doing pretty good in college basketball this season. Um, so before we get into this week's picks, um, let's take a little bit look at some of the news that is going on in the college basketball world. Uh, first thing we got, um, Michigan, probably the biggest game of the weekend. I mean, definitely the biggest weekend. You can probably make the argument it's probably the biggest game that we've had of the year so far. Uh, Michigan and Ohio State play each other. Uh, number three versus number four, um, basically for the top of the pack, not the pack 12, <laughs> what are we talking about? The top of the big 10, um, at the moment, Michigan's able to hold on. It was a pretty close game, great game back and forth the entire time. Michigan holds on to the win. Um, so they stay at the number three spot in this week's AP top 25. Um, and rightfully so Ohio state who came into this game at four stays at four. I don't think there is any reason, um, that they should drop, especially considering that right behind them at five is Illinois who, they beat earlier in the season, so it's hard to drop them, drop them past there. Um, but one thing that was annoying the crap out of me this morning on Twitter um, was all of the Michigan fans. The Michigan fans, they're just so obnoxious. Being, making sure you know that they are up there on the same level as Baylor and Gonzaga. And while I do believe Michigan is a great team, the, the delusional fans who just think Michigan deserves to jump Gonzaga to be the number two team in the country is absolutely insane. I mean, when you have two teams that are undefeated, haven't lost a game, they're going to be above. Had Michigan not lost to Minnesota, guess what? They would probably be the two number two team in the country just because Gonzaga hasn't played anyone in the past month and a half. But to say Gonzaga hasn't played anyone all season is just not true. I mean, Gonzaga has this season, had last season, the, they had the number uh, or the hardest non-conference schedule in the country. So you can't, I mean, when Michigan's out there playing like D2 schools um, in the middle of December. So um, definitely Baylor-Gonzaga is still the number one, number two teams in the country. And I think by a pretty wide margin, um, to be quite honest, obviously, if they lose games, they're going to they're gonna drop and Michigan will continue to rise. Um, but until that happens, they are the number one, two, <laughs> number one and number two team in the country. And let's be honest, college basketball, being the AP poll doesn't mean anything. It really doesn't. I mean, as, if you're in the top 10. Who cares? You're making. You're going to be a good seed in the tournament. You're going to get good matchups the first two weekends, um, so it really doesn't matter anyway. But just thought I'd get that off my chest. Tired of Michigan. Michigan fans are. <laughs> I, I don't know. I got stuck in some. Said something on some Twitter thread yesterday, and all of a sudden, I just phone was lighting up all night with Michigan fans going at each other, <laughs> talking about stuff. Wasn't even about the original thing, but. Um, anyway, some other college basketball news. Um, taking a look a little bit at the Missouri Valley. Drake has been struggling. I don't know if struggling is the right word. I think they still only have two losses, I'm pretty sure. But <laughs> um, they did lose another key player. Uh, Roman Penn out for the season for Drake with a foot injury. And Drake is just, you know, Drake's a team that, unfortunately, while they were a great team early in the season, early season performance doesn't mean a whole lot in college basketball. Um, you got to get hot in college basketball at the end of February, end of March, and have that carry into March Madness. And, and unfortunately for Drake, it seems to be going in the complete opposite direction. Um, while they did have the win over Loyola Chicago um, last week, you know, Loyola Chicago remains in the top 25, um, I think 21 in the AP top 25, 18 in the hot tip bet rankings. Um, while Drake, not really anywhere close at the moment, even with only two losses. 
Now, granted, um, as long as these two teams don't do anything stupid and, you know, have early exits in the Missouri Valley tournament, um, they're, they're most likely both making the, uh, the March Madness. So it doesn't really matter a whole lot as far as that's concerned. Um, but it is going to matter as far as who they're going to end up playing. You know, um, Drake's definitely looking like the team that's going to get, they're going to get set up with the worst matchup, at least seating wise. Um, I mean, who knows who they'll actually end up playing, but, um, definitely a tough break for Drake to, you know, just more and more injuries. Um, but one team that we, well, I don't know, we know their season, we know their regular season <laughs> is over, um, and that's the Iona Gales. Um, Iona announced today that with a positive test inside of the program, um, they will not be, they will not play any more regular season games. So um, Iona struggled a lot this season um, with with their positive test and whatnot. I know they had um, back in December, I think it was, had some tests, and they just really, even after that break, never really came out. Uh, only end up playing, I think, 11 or 12 games this season, um, which, you know, once you take out the ones that are going to get vacated for having Rick Pitino there, <laughs> probably not going to be very many at all. Um, but <laughs> needless to say, uh, their season is over. But let's take a little bit of a look, jump a couple weeks ahead. Let's take a look at March Madness. Um, I don't know if we talked about it on the last show. I think it came out right after um, I had recorded. But March Madness will have fans in attendance um, which is a great sign. Um, 25% capacities um, is what has been announced for those games. Um, and who knows what it's going to look like at the colleges specifically. But I think that could be really cool. Lucas Oil Stadium, you know, a huge football stadium. Um, being able to host 25% capacity, especially for the Final Four and stuff. But, I mean, they'll, they'll still have other, you know, the other tournament games that are going to be played there. I don't know how exactly that's going to work. Because they had a, originally said um, when they announced all this that, you know... Um, that there's going to be two courts going on at a time at Lucas Oil, so who knows how that's gonna how that's gonna work with fans at attendance? That could be quite a strange experience to say the least for some fans. Um, but I will I'll, I'll definitely be interested to see um, how they make all of that work. Um, but a couple of teams, well, some teams that are still fighting and some teams that are just winning games for no reason <laughs> at this point. Uh, Kentucky, Duke, Kansas, West, not West Virginia, North Carolina, uh, four blue bloods there. Um, plus UCLA, I would say too, but those four teams all get wins over the weekend. You know, Kansas finds itself back in the top 25, North Carolina seems like to be pretty firmly, um, you know, right on the bubble. Some people got them inside the tournament. Some people got them right outside. Um, Kentucky's nowhere close, but if we're being honest, I mean, Kentucky is out of the NIT at this point. Um, I mean, sure. The CBI, the CIT would, would probably give them an invite because of the Kentucky name, but I, I, I don't, I don't even think Kentucky would accept an NIT bid at this point. <laughs> so, um, I think that's out of the question. Um, and Duke, who knows? Duke is definitely further back in the bubble. I mean, it's going to take something big. They're going to have to make a run, especially in the ACC tournament, maybe even win the whole thing, um, in order to get <clears throat> their name called on selection Sunday. But just interesting to see how, how some of these blue blood teams are struggling this year. Um, another little piece of news. As far as, you know, Selection Sunday and teams that are going to be hoping to get their name called, um, an interesting thing that I saw today, games that were played, um, uh, were played, that okay, here, <laughs> let me start over, games that couldn't be played at home, on, at, uh, at certain teams' home courts that were had to be played basically at the way, away court, um, if that makes any sense at all, are now considered neutral side games. So say like, you know, West Virginia, Baylor. This is a bad example because they haven't played yet. But if West Virginia couldn't play in West Virginia, whatever, that game ends up getting played in Waco, which would have been considered West Virginia's home game. That game actually is now a neutral site game in Waco, even though, you know, 
Baylor is technically kind of the kind of the home team in there. So it helps teams though in the net rankings. I know Cal. Um, it's going to help them a lot as far as you know being on the bubble and hopefully getting getting their name called. So definitely something to look out for for some of those teams um, who who are who you know need to climb in the net um, in order to in order to make the tournament. Quite honestly, so um, but that about wraps it up for college basketball news for this week. So let's get into some picks. First game that we got um, on Tuesday's card, we got Miami, Ohio taking on Central Michigan. Now, Miami, Ohio comes into this game as three-point favorites. Uh, Miami, Ohio, the 148th ranked team in the hot tip at ranking. Central Michigan, 266. Um, now, the Miami, Ohio team um, has been playing very good basketball as of late on both sides of the basketball. You know, one and two, 102 and adjusted offensive efficiency, um, which is very good. You know, for them, you know, being in the MAC and whatnot. Central Michigan, on the other hand, um, um, where is that at? Two hundred nine and adjusted offensive efficiency. Um, but Miami, Ohio, you know, and that really shows up in their, um, just in their offensive stats in general. Doing a very good job not turning the ball over, only turning it over on sixteen point three percent of their possessions, while Central Michigan is turning it over on eighteen point eight percent of theirs. Um, and Miami's also doing a good job shooting the ball just in general. You know, thirty four point nine percent from beyond the arc, while Central Michigan only thirty two point three percent, seventy seven point four percent from the free throw line, while Central Michigan only. 65.7 and Miami an effective field goal percentage of 50.3 while Central Michigan only an effective field goal percentage of 48.4 um, but it doesn't really just stop um, for Miami Ohio on offense um, they're actually you know they're not the greatest defensive team in the country at, with an adjusted off a defensive efficiency of 279 um, but that adjusted defensive efficiency is still better than Central Michigan's who comes in at 295 so um, you know only being three point favorites in this game on the road against Central Michigan I definitely like Miami Ohio to get that that cover the second game we got for Tuesday we moved down south for an SEC matchup between LSU and Georgia um, now both these well I'm the entire south and you know southeastern conferences has had some problems you know being able to play games but um, hopefully this game happens LSU comes into this one as five and a half point favorites um, LSU 14 and 6 on the season Georgia 13 and 3 um, so um, LSU has done a very good job of not turning the ball over. Uh, in fact, a really good job. 16.8% turning over on, uh, percent of their possessions. Georgia, not nearly as good. Almost five, not almost, exactly 5% higher at 31.5% um, turnovers for their possessions. Um, and then LSU's just shooting the ball better. You know, Will Wade's got them going great down there. 35.1% from beyond the arc. Well, Georgia's only hitting 31.4% from beyond the arc. Um, LSU also uh, very good from the free throw line, six seventy six point two percent free throw percentage. Georgia sixty nine point six percent free throw percentage, and LSU an effective field goal percentage of fifty four point one. Well, Georgia an effective field goal percentage of fifty point nine. Um, and LSU just a very well rounded offensive team all around. You know, um, number six in the country in adjusted offensive efficiency. Georgia on the other hand pretty high up there, seventy three in adjusted offensive efficiency. So, um, like LSU to cover the five and a half point spread. Um, closing out Tuesday's card. Moving over to Wednesday, February twenty fourth. Um, we start. In the MAC with Kent State taking on Ball State. Now Kent State comes into this game um, at 14 and five on the season, um, doing pretty good. Ball State, on their hand, actually comes in with a losing record at seven and 11 um, on the season. Kent State has though um, just top to bottom is one of the better teams that I've seen, you know, stat wise, have seen all season. You know, um, um, pulling down one of their one of their most impressive stats is their offensive rebounding stat pulling down 35 point 35 percent 
um, of the of the shots off the offensive glass, while Ball State only pulling down 26.2%. And um, that really just shows, you know, Kansas State's 84th in adjusted offensive efficiency, while Ball State 216. You know, Ball State um, really not that good on offense to at all. Um, and that shows a lot in their shooting, too. Um, Ball State, you know, free throws only hitting 72.8%. From the free throw line, Kent State 79%. Um, and Kent State also an effective field percentage of 51.9. Ball State an effective field percentage of 49.7. Um, but it doesn't really just stop on the offensive side of the ball um, for this Kent State team. Kent State is also playing very good defense. 105 and adjusted defensive efficiency. Well, Ball State comes into this game um, at 130 and adjusted defensive efficiency. So like Kent State as the slight favorites to take care of business in this game. Uh, moving on to the second game on Wednesday's card. Um, we got a SoCon matchup between East Tennessee State um, and Vermiller, Ver, yeah, Vermiller, Virginia Military Institute. I uh, didn't say that right. <laughs> but East Tennessee comes into this game 12 and 10 on the season, VMI 12 and 11 on the season. So very similar records. Um, and this VMI team, well, they started, you know, they played a lot of quote unquote easy. <laughs> um, and it was pretty easy. Non conference schedule. They definitely, you know, definitely had some, some, some games go their way for sure. And then struggled a little bit in non-conference play, but or I guess in conference play that is. Um, but they have, as of recent, been playing pretty good basketball. You know, 80 technique and adjusted offensive efficiency was pretty dang good for this team. East Tennessee, on the other hand, 166 and adjusted offensive efficiency. VMI was also doing a very good job shooting the basketball, 37.9% from beyond the arc, which is up there with any team in college basketball. East Tennessee, not terrible either, 35.1% from beyond the arc. Um, but a couple of things that really stick out about this VMI team for me is their free throw shooting and effective field goal percentage. You know, 71.1% from the free throw line with an effective field goal percentage of 54.1. Um, East Tennessee, on the other hand, 69.4% from the from the free throw line and an effective field goal percentage of 50.4. So I think with, you know, and this East Tennessee team also doing a very good job not turning the ball over, holding on to that basketball, only turning it over on 17.5%. Of their possessions, East Tennessee, on the other hand, turning it over on 20.2% of theirs. So, like this VMI team, um, you know, taking care of business at home in this game. Um, the next game we got is a bit of a surprising matchup. When I saw it, <laughs> when I saw it got scheduled, um, I was a little bit shocked. But Marquette taking on North Carolina. You know, you're not used to seeing a non-conference game between a Big East and an ACC team um, taking place, you know, in, <laughs> in late February, um, just not something you're used to seeing, but you know, with, uh, COVID issues and whatnot, games getting canceled, rescheduled, um, both of them had an opening and we're looking for someone to play. So it's happening. Um, and you know, Marquette comes into this game. They, they haven't had quite the season they want coming into this game at 10 and 12 on the season. And for that matter, neither is North Carolina 14 and seven on the season, but, um, comparatively they are a little better. Um, and it's hard to compare these teams just straight up, but Marquette, stat wise has not played bad basketball this season and that really shows um in their shooting you know 33.3 percent from the end of the arc north carolina only hitting 31.6 73.3 from free throw line north carolina only 64.9 and marquette an effective field goal percentage of 50.7 while north carolina only 48.7 so i mean just across the board this marquette team um is shooting the ball um better than this unc team is um but marquette is also a little bit where Marquette struggles is rebounding the ball, you know, 30.5 off the offensive glass, which is not a bad stat at all. You know, that's, that is up there with a lot of teams in the country. North Carolina is just kind of off the chart in that category, 39.8%, which is just absolutely insane. Um, and while North Carolina is the better team on offense and defense, you know, 50th in adjusted offensive efficiency, 17th in adjusted defensive, you know, Marquette only 79 adjusted offense, um, 
98th in adjusted defense. I think Marquette getting some points in this game, um, you know, a non-conference game, definitely one that really helps boost the resume. Um, if they if they have any shot, I mean, granted, they're, they're pretty, they're, both these teams are, well, North Carolina not. North Carolina needs this win, but I think Marquette, this is just a, this is a good, this is a win that a Marquette, like a young Marquette team, wasn't looking to build something for the future, really needs. So, like Marquette getting the points in that game. Um, the final game we got for Wednesday, moving back to the SoCon, got Western Carolina taking on UNC Greensboro. Uh, Western Carolina comes into this game at 9-14 and 14 as the 193rd ranked team in the country. UNC Greensboro, 16-7 and 7 and the 95th ranked team in the country. Um, now, if you've been listening to the podcast for any time at all, you know my thoughts on UNC Greensboro. Um, haven't really been a fan of them all season. Bet against them a lot, and I, I don't know what the... I would have to look up exactly how much money... Uh, made against them but it seems like i don't want to jinx this but almost every time we bet against them um they fail to cover they're just they just haven't they haven't played amazing basketball this season and it really shows in their shooting you know only hitting 28.3 percent from the on the arc which is not a very good stat um, in the modern college basketball era, Western Carolina, on the other hand, 31.5% from beyond the arc. Um, UNC Greensboro also um, only hitting 68.6 from the free throw line, while Western Carolina 72.4 from the free throw line. And Western Carolina, an effective field goal percentage of 50.7, while UNC Greensboro, an effective field goal percentage of 47.5. Western Carolina um, also doing a great job not turning it over, only turning it over on 19.7% of their possessions. Uh, well, UNC Greensboro, a slightly better 16.2, but nothing nothing crazy. Both good turnover percentage. Um, while this UNC uh, Greensboro team is slightly better in offense, you know, 173 in adjusted offensive efficiency, UNC or Western Carolina, that is, 2 14 adjusted offensive efficiency. Um, I don't think that that means a whole lot for this game. You know, Western Carolina getting so many points um, in this game on the road. I think they can easily cover this game. Heck, I wouldn't even be surprised if this Western Carolina is, you know, pushing for an outright win um, come the end of the second half. So um, definitely like Western Carolina getting those points to close out Wednesday's card. Finally, moving on to Thursday's card. The first game we got, we got St. Francis, New York taking on Merrimack. Uh, St. Francis, New York comes into this game um, at eight and nine on the season. Merrimack eight and six. Um, and St. Francis is is just a well-rounded team, um, just in general. One thing that really sticks out to me about this St. Francis team is their ability to pull down the um, um, the ball off the offensive glass with a twenty-nine point two offensive rebounding percentage. Merrimack, on the other hand, a 21.5 offensive rebounding percentage. Um, St. Francis is also shooting the ball extremely well. 33.3% from beyond the arc for them. Merrimack, 30.7%. Uh, St. Francis, 73.1.2 from the free throw line. Merrimack, 64.3. Um, and St. Francis is also just doing a great job not turning the ball over, only turning over on 15.6% of their possessions, um, which is up there for you know, top in the country as far as not turning the ball over. Merrimack, on the other hand, 19.1, which isn't horrible, but um, definitely not um, nearly as good as the St. Francis team. And while the St. Francis team is ranked slightly lower in the hot Tibet rankings at 318 compared to Murrabak's 278, um, I do like the St. Francis team, you know, get and with the points there um, um, against this Murrabak team to get that cover um, in that one. So, like, uh, yeah, St. Francis for that game. Um, second game we got for Thursday's card, got Belmont taking on Eastern Carolina. Not Eastern Carolina, <laughs> Eastern Kentucky. Uh, Belmont 24-1 and on the season, having themselves um, kind of a low-key great season. Not a ton of people talking about them, which is, I think, exactly what you want um, if you're Belmont coming out of the Ohio Valley for the tournament. Um, Eastern Kentucky, on the other hand, 
not a bad season either. You know, 19 and six, you know, most, <laughs> most any school in the country would be happy with a 19 and six record. Um, and 194th in the hot tip at rankings, Belmont went there 89. Um, I don't know if I mentioned that, but Belmont, um, is doing a good job shooting free throws. I think that's one of their strongest points for this team. Um, closing out games, able to get those covers. Um, 74.4% from the free throw line. Eastern Kentucky, a slightly worse 69.4%. Um, and Belmont's also just shooting the ball in general very well. I know an effective field goal percentage of 58.3. Well, Eastern Kentucky, only an effective field goal percentage of 51.3. Um, so definitely gives Belmont a pretty good edge there. I mean, Belmont's just a better team on both sides of the basketball, for being quite honest. You know, 43rd in just at offensive efficiency, um, which is very high for a team like this. Um, Belmont defensively is 132 in adjusted defensive efficiency. Eastern Kentucky, on the other hand, 193 in adjusted offensive efficiency and 165 in adjusted defensive efficiency. So um, not anywhere close on offense and similar on defense. So, um, But I do like this Belmont team doing a great job not turning it over. Only turning it over on 16.2% of their possessions, while Eastern Kentucky 17.1% of theirs. So like Belmont to get the cover um, in this one to close out Thursday's card. That about wraps it up for picks for um, episode 32 of the Hot Tip Bets podcast. If you haven't already checked out all of the computer model picks um, up on hottipbets.com, make sure you head over there. Got horse racing, college basketball, NBA, NHL picks um, all up there. Once baseball season starts, we'll have that. Um, that's kind of something if you want to, I don't know what I, what exact once, um, you know, college basketball is really all I'm focused on and talking about right now. Um, definitely leave suggestions. Um, down below in the YouTube comments or over on Twitter, really wherever, anywhere you can reach me, I'll, I'll look at it and respond. Um, definitely want to know what you are interested in seeing once college basketball is over. I'm not the biggest NBA or NHL guys. So I probably honestly won't be covering. I'll probably cover a little bit of, the, you know, like the conference championships and finals and Stanley Cup and whatnot. Um, but I probably won't be covering much of the playoffs if we're being quite honest. Um, so probably going to cover some baseball, um, getting into all of that, hopefully getting into a little more horse racing over the summer. Um, definitely liked, I, you know, I watched quite a bit of horse racing, um, early in quarantine when that was the only, only sport going on. And obviously we still got, got a bunch of great UFC fights coming up here in the month of March, um, and April and really beyond. So, um, definitely be on the lookout for all of those podcasts and all of those picks. Um, also up on the website, if you haven't checked out the rankings up there, make sure you do. Um, every Monday, the college basketball top 25 drops, but I'll let you on a little secret. If you want to see what it is anyway, it's up there literally every day. If you just go to the, the rankings tab on the website, you can see the college basketball um, picks that are updated or rankings that are updated every day. Also got rankings up there for the NBA and NHL. Um, MLB rankings will be up there as soon as the season um, gets going. Um, once we got some of that data flowing in and also results up on the website for the, the podcast picks. Um, up there and also for the computer picks, um, all of that up there. So yeah, I think that about <laughs> wraps it all up um, for the current state of the website. Um, and if you're not already following me on Twitter and Instagram, make sure you follow me at Hot Tip Bets Chris on both platforms. Also make sure you follow the Hot Tip Bet main accounts to stay up with um, all of that news. You know, Hot, hot Tip Bets on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. Um, also make sure you subscribe to the YouTube channel. Uh, you know, don't forget to like and subscribe if you are watching this on YouTube. Um, and also take a look over at the TikTok. Got clips for some pics posted up there um, every week. So um, thanks for listening to episode 32 of the Hot Tip Bets podcast. And I'll see you guys on Friday.